We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. We are back for another edition of the Best Ball Banana Stand. This is a Rotoviz and Peter Overzet collaboration where we draft the Best Ball Mania 4 team on my YouTube channel and then post the audio on the Rotoviz airwaves. It's me and Sean Siegel battling the wide receiver avalanches, having a ton of fun coming up with new tactics to, to win this massive tournament, take down that $3 million top prize. Sean, always excited for these drafts. How are you doing? Good, good. I uh, you know get up, get the coffee working through all the little site stuff pop in here. And the first words I'm hearing are Tyquan Thornton and KJ Hamler it just gets me fired up for my entire day. So I, this is going to be perfect. That's the difference. It's like, you know, there's two kind of people in this world, Rotoviz subs and non Rotoviz subs. Some people hear those names, KJ Hamler and Tyquan Thornton, and they recoil and they're like, ew, the Rotoviz guys, we start fist pumping, tossing in Eno Benjamin, rest in peace, Eno Benjamin. I mean, those are, those are our guys. We still got to ride for them. They are. They are. So yeah, we got another, avalanche draft in store i'm guessing also just a lot of fun stuff going on now so much camp news we're gonna get some preseason games in not too long i've been involved in an rv triflex startup over there at the ffpc and pete now through 10 rounds have some fun guys but the thing i'm most excited about is that looking forward to 2024 we have two firsts six seconds four thirds Multiple picks in every other round. We have 12 of the first 36 picks in next year's rookie draft. Uh, that is in concert with a foundation that includes Bijan Robinson and Jackson Smith and Jigba. And play fantasy football to have fun, right? So I'm pretty fired up. We're going to have lots of dynasty content over at Rotoviz with all of that as well. Bjorn Yang Barnett, my co-drafter in that. And Bjorn has a couple of fantastic best ball pieces also up on the site. So make sure you check him out. And uh, Pete, what are we what are we looking at here? Yeah, I did just hop us in uh, the Best Ball Mania 4 draft. This is my uh, 117th draft. We drew the 1-9 spot, Sean. Uh, I feel like we now are getting a decent amount of variety on our pick slots where we've been drafting. We've had some 1-2s, some 1-4s, some 1-12s, the 1-9 here. And I know talking to you off air a little bit, you've had some kind of fun ideas of maybe getting creative um, with some of these slots. It's something I've been thinking about a lot recently i mentioned to pat like i was reviewing some of my exposures and noticed i was like really tightly clustered with my garrett wilson 
pairings because I'm often taking Keenan Allen or Jerry Judy or Jameer Gibbs with him at the three, four turn. I like all those guys, but I also don't want my entire portfolio to be heavily weighted to the exact same Garrett Wilson pairings. If those guys fail and Garrett Wilson has a monster year, that's going to be a big bummer. So I'm starting to think through what are ways I can shake it up a little bit, doing some quote unquote reaches to get unique combos. I know you're certainly open to that at the top of the board as well. I am. I took Amon Ra at the 106 in my draft last night. And then I did wow. end up regretting it because one of the reasons for it was to protect against the avalanche and to free myself up to take those great running back values in two, three, four, five, if they were there. Pete, it ended up being a J.K. Dobbins as the only like starting running back on that squad. So if you uh -oh. go back and you put Austin Eckler in, then you're thinking, okay, well, that would have worked out better. But definitely open to taking anybody that you want in this range. Yeah, no, but I, I want the I want the Sean Siegel special sauce. I want you to uh, back us into a corner and then Houdini our way out of it. Um, we do see uh, Cooper Cup fall to one six here. Diggs goes one four. That's interesting. Bijan at one seventeen par for the course. Um, otherwise pretty standard stuff here. We'll see what the century does here before we pick. We do have Sean's ranks and he takes Avon Ra at one eight. He got excited by that idea. Uh, Eckler, Kelsey, Wilson, Lamb. What do you think is the fun way to play this? I mean, the fun way to play would be, say it, let me Sean. grab, take, you know, take a, I mean, just taking more Garrett Wilson and then moving it around with somebody else. But, but Lamb, also an interesting pick there. Uh, you wanted, I mean, I heard Garrett Wilson first. Lamb came in. Normally, I try to get the last one there, but I, I heard Garrett Wilson trying to get more mixing and matching with Garrett Wilson. Yeah. So, what, what did we have there for your exposure to Wilson? Oh, yeah. Um, you're probably going to say this is not enough. Um, I am at 14% Garrett Wilson. What are you at, Shad? Well, I don't know if I can do enough drafts with you over the next. I mean, I, I'm feeling like I might have to throw in some extra drafts with you somehow because I got to get your, I mean, you got to get to 20%, right? <laughs> I know. It's it's hard for me. You know, you did a good job getting me to 20% uh, uh, James Cook. I'm close to 20% Rashad Penny. So I've been able to do it um, with some of these guys. Uh, but yes, I need to I need to boost up these rookie Garrett Wilson numbers. We see Travis Kelsey fall all the way to 10, Eckler to 11, and then we got the A.J. Brown, CeeDee Lamb double tap from the one, two turn. And now we're back on the clock as Adams and Chubb come off the board. I know you love Jalen Waddell. Is there anything else uh, fun here that you would do? Well, I mean, especially in an avalanche draft here, we could almost look at T Higgins, but I mean, your Higgins exposure above Waddle. Waddle does so many things in terms of what it lets you do, pushing the quarterbacks and still getting the potential for elite quarterbacks. One of the things that I really like about a Garrett Wilson, Jalen Waddle start is that right from the beginning, you are putting a plan in place to be able to get QBs at decent prices. Now you and I ran into a situation in our most recent draft where people did grab the guys that we had kind of set up and we pivot to somebody else that we really like, but it's a little bit more of a, a one-off. We get a great value on him in that particular draft. I'll probably write that one up even but when you look at Wilson, when you look at Waddle and what that allows us to set up, I have an article coming out either later today or tomorrow talking about a draft in which I had to even go to plan E at quarterback. But the only way that you get there is because the first four plans that you had set up very effectively get wiped out in a very specific way in a draft. The vast majority of the time, 
that will work. You know, your first four contingencies will work. And even in that, it allowed a really cool plan E. And so we're, we're thinking about how can we put these wide receiver quarterback combinations in place in a way that doesn't end up costing us a ton in ADP value. So we can manage the avalanche. We can get running back values, but also we have this combination of a very sort of tightly constructed team that also has some ADP characteristics that we like. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And I, I, I've noticed that too on, you know, with Tua, with Rogers guys that you can sometimes really push and get these extreme ADP values on Geno Smith has been another guy that I've noticed can really fall. And it is kind of surprising. It makes a little bit more sense with Rogers just because there's not really any other stacking options with him outside of Wilson, you know, when those early drafters get a Higgins or chase, it's like, all right, one of us is getting burrow, but it is weird to me that with uh, DK Metcalf, because there are three wide receivers going in the top six rounds that Gino will still sometimes fall. But sometimes you just get these interesting dynamics, right? Like the DK Metcalf drafter gets an elite QB, the Lockett drafter gets an elite QB, and then all of a sudden they're not quite into um, or in the market for that selection there. So it's always fun how like a unique room can create these dynamics that give you dare I say it, different textures to these early selections. Because sometimes you will take a detour for the elite QB with these guys and not end up with the stack. So I do like all the different options you can mix and match with them. As we are about to pick at 3-9 here, I should mention, I do have Sean's uh, personal ranks loaded in. So if you're looking here and saying, hey, that's not uh, ADP, you are correct. This is not ADP. We like getting Sean's updated thoughts on the ADP landscape here to help us navigate these drafts. We see DK Metcalf go off the board, then Brees Hall. Looks like best available by your ranks, Debo, Keenan, Gibbs, ETN. Um, what do you think you want to do here depending on the centuries move? Yeah, we can continue to build into you know, partly the avalanche, partly this idea of making sure we have enough quarterback outs Certainly think that anything with San Francisco and then Purdy is very interesting there. I've been trying to dial back my extreme Samuel exposure a little bit. I think if Gibbs had been there, but I, I think Samuel or Allen is the pick. Yeah, I agree with you there. Let's 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 go Debo. I have been trying to do, I think, a similar thing to you and trying to get a little bit more IUK and and chill a, a bit on Samuel, but still love him. And like you said, really sets us up for multiple quarterback options late and I think, too, for the most part, Sean, you and I have not done too many true zero RB builds. Um, it is hard, too, when you to pass on a guy like Gibbs if Gibbs is there to do that because, man, you've gotten me excited about uh, Gibbs in a big way. And, you know, now you're seeing all the training camp highlights and uh, everyone's starting to tell themselves a story on what a monster year Jameer Gibbs could have. Well, we need to keep folks out there also pushing David Montgomery and how he's a good fit for the offense and all those types of things. And Montgomery's going to score a lot of points as well. I don't think I have any exposure to him, but I mean, there are multiple ways to play that. And yet with Gibbs, I mean, it probably doesn't happen in 2023. It's probably more of a 2024 thing, but you're talking about the next Christian McCaffrey, Austin Eckler. I mean, those are two of the three guys who go in the first round. That's the profile that you want exposure to. Well, that's interesting. You say that being so high on him, but when you say it's probably a 2024 thing, you mean from like a full season long standpoint, I'm guessing you're still pretty excited about Jameer Gibbs, say weeks 14 through 17. I am. I We do see these situations where teams kind of get locked into a mentality about how they're going to do the rotation. And they look at it in the off season. They're like, Oh wait, 
we have the best running back in the NFL. He should get almost all the snaps. And so then you see Christian McCaffrey come out in year two and just, you know, destroy the world. You're going to get some dynamics like that. But when we're talking about winning tournaments, certainly it's exciting to get those rookie backs with the upside. I like ETN here. Do you have, I was getting, I was going to say, should we just take the next Jamal Charles instead, since we missed out on Gibbs? There you go. There you go. It's been cracking me up listening to the Jacksonville coaches because like virtually everything that they say about their running backs is objectively not true. <laughs> so, <laughs> what are they saying? Well, I mean, I, I mean, obviously when they came out with these crazy quotes about how good Travis Etienne was going to be, then you see a flood of articles about Etienne and notes on Etienne, news blurbs on Etienne, all that type of thing. And I was no different. I love Etienne. And so I wrote him up. But one of the things I talked about there is that if you pull up our advanced stat explorer, you can see the design gap percentage. And one of the big things that they talked about in that whole spiel was how, like, if we can stop getting him to bounce these plays, if we can get him to see the hole and get through the hole, then he's going to start having all of these big runs. Well, you go and you look up the design gap percentage for him last year, and it was very good. It's basically identical to Alvin Kamara and Christian McCaffrey. You look at his other peripherals in terms of before contact, after contact. I mean, he had this crazy year in 2023, and his coaches are saying, I mean, he did some things okay, but not everybody comes into the NFL and lights the world on fire. And you're like, what were you expecting? I mean, they're kind of creating a context where like he didn't gain 2,500 yards rushing, and so we think there's a lot that he could do better. And one of the things that you think there is that if he, if he starts to do things better, it, it cracked me up and it reminded me of the rhetoric around Jamal Charles because one of the things that the Chiefs coaches used as an excuse for not playing him more early was that he wouldn't hit the right holes. And you're like, he's gaining three and a half yards before contact. He's gaining as many yards before contact as the bad backs are gaining overall. Like, let him run to where he wants to run and score touchdowns. So, I mean, obviously both these guys are good. Travis Etienne is probably not going to be Jamal Charles, but there's a lot of upside there. Of course, you you also get a lot of rhetoric from them about how good Tank Bigsby is, which right, you know, I I have more stuff I want to ask you about the uh, the Travis Etienne discourse because there's some interesting things to tease out there, and people need to check out your article you just put up on RotoViz about him as well. I got that link down below. You guys got to be subscribed to RotoViz. Sean is pumping out all kinds of awesome actionable draft articles here um, but we are about to pick on the clock here at pick 57 we did see jsn go at 53 so that dream is dead here um, we got a bunch of options in a pretty flat tier here we looks like we would be reaching by adp on some of them who do you like i mean if you're okay taking walker i still think he's a really interesting way to play this from a talent perspective we can start to reach and create some of those correlation plays at the receiver position and one of the things that you get in this range five six seven as you're trying to build out your game stacks is that if you don't reach at least at one point then you're probably gonna not have the full puzzle constructed and yet right. i mean you want to be pretty tactical with it because you can come out of the draft and be like well i reached two rounds on three guys did i need to do all three of those <laughs> Do you know what's funny, Sean? Just because I've been now thinking about this more, I did pull up the Fantasy Life Best Ball Hub to look at my Garrett Wilson, Jalen Waddle teams, and all three of them have Jameer Gibbs on it. So it feels good to finally get a, an ETN on a Garrett Wilson, Jalen Waddle team. But it is just funny, again, showing how you get funneled to similar 
selections that don't have any other ADP correlation. It's not like Amon Ra or Lamb with Gibbs for week 17. It's just correlated by ADP. So uh, glad to mix that up there. Um, after we make this pick, um, I did want to ask you one more thing about um, the ETN stuff. And it mainly in, we can touch base with it on Walker too, because it is this whole conversation about what's a dead zone back. These guys are going in a range, an ADP range that typically you know, is where the dead zone backs go. And yet drafters this year and us included are making exceptions for these guys. But let's let's make this pick here. Uh, Dotson, Pickens, both give us correlation with some of our other wide receivers. Anything else you'd like to do? I mean, it's it's early for Dotson, but I think it does make sense here. You mm-hmm. could also grab Pitts and have that interesting tight end. But I think it's a Dotson play. Yeah, let's do Dotson here. But yeah, to circle back to that stuff with ETN and Walker, talk through like how you think through, because what critics will say is like, hey, you guys, you know, popularize this concept of the dead zone. And yet now you make these exceptions and you're like, well, I can do this one because I like his profile or I could do this guy because he's more explosive than the typical dead zone back. Like, how do you think through like macro trends like that while being very contextual and specific with making exceptions to those trends? It's a really interesting dynamic, especially in 2023, where we see this ADP shift. It also dovetails really nicely that question with the show that Ben and I recorded yesterday for Ceiling Bananas, and I believe we'll release tomorrow, where we talked for about an hour and 20 minutes about the overall trends again and the running back trends and how you would beat them and what it means for the dead zone. And running back expected points are down. A lot of those elements are probably at least a little bit in conflict with what you would expect based on how defenses are playing things. I think that the defenses actually take away some of the things that the running backs do well in a way that's counterintuitive. But yet at the same time, one of the reasons that running back scoring is down is that running back scoring relies on stars and stars generally come out of this age 21 to 24 type of time period. And you look back at the stars who were drafted over the last three drafts and those guys at an incredible rate have been hurt and have been wiped out of what would have been big seasons. And then you also come back and you have that sort of injury hangover, either with actual decline of play or with a team taking it easy on you. So when you lose all of those players, the running back scoring doesn't look as good, but then when we're thinking about, well, who would we target? I mean, you think about a guy like a Travis Etienne who had a season taken away. You think about a guy like a Javante Williams who just goes here at six eleven. You think about a Kenneth Walker, who Walker is a guy with 438 speed who had one of the best evasion rates in the NFL last year, who had a broken tackle rate above 12%. So you're starting to talk about a guy with a Nick Chubbish type of profile. And you think about, okay, well, Charbonnet is there. And Charbonnet is probably going to take meaningful touches in a way that does hurt his EP profile. And how do we play that? And especially, I mean, there was like a 24 hour period there where it looked like Walker might be the guy who was healthier. And then it quickly became, no, I mean, Charbonnet's back. Walker's got a groin injury. That's very problematic. You see this decline in ADP for Walker and you're like, well, should I take the risk or should I just keep watching him fall? Should I wait for him to be healthy? But I mean, you can draft Nick Chubb at the one, two turn, or you can draft Kenneth Walker in round five. One of those is a lot safer play in terms of the points, but is it a safer play in terms of points and risk to ADP? and putting together a tournament winning team, I would argue that it's not. And so that's kind of what we're looking for. These dead zone backs are guys who 
in a different world and with people being healthier, you know, I think again with Travis Etienne, like just how good Etienne actually is. I mean, he should be a two, three turn player. If you're getting him in round four, you're going to pull the trigger there because especially if we have a lot of these backups So both of those guys, you have Bigsby, you have Charbonnet, those guys are going to take chunks out. You need players who are so talented that they could have three or four fantasy points over expectation per game to round that profile out. Whereas if you're simply taking touches, you're going to get guys like Joe Mixon who underperform that workload, even in favorable offenses like the Bills, the Bengals have. So those I think are the conflicts or the tensions that you're dealing with as you draft in those ranges they're pretty interesting well sean we're back on the clock at pick 81 we considered pits uh, uh ages ago and he's still available here i uh, feels like a fun click to me anything else you're saying no that's i mean dallas goddard also a fun click but uh you know Pitt's the the guy yeah, uh, been trying to get some more Pitts exposure. Back-to-back drafts now. Took him with Pat, uh, I believe, at pick 79 or 80, and we get him here at pick 81. So feel good about that. ETN, Kenneth Walker at running back. Wide receiver, Garrett Wilson, Jalen Waddle, Debo Samuel, Jahan Dotson. Tight end, Kyle Pitts. Um, this doesn't sound fun. We got some breaking news by JGFC. Dalton's beef reporter saying Waddle is down after an 11 v. 11 rep being escorted back to the locker room. Hope Waddle is okay uh, there. Thank you for passing along that news. Um, all right, so we are about to pick here again at 8-4, pick 88. Um, you know, we do see uh, a decent amount of the wide receivers kind of, you know, drained here, although still some interesting names. And, of course, we got um, a quarterback potential here. We got a couple running backs. You and I uh, draft a ton um, we'll have to see which direction we want to go here. A lot of, a lot of options. Yeah. It, we do have cook go. That was going to be the one I was really into. And the draft that I did last night and I had the waddle pick in the second round, I passed on cook to take waddle and made it for a very nice team, but you do have that regret. So I was going to flip it up here, but we don't have that choice. One of the reasons why when you do get that choice of James cook at a good price, you probably want to go ahead and just click it. Uh, yeah, I was just checking out the Tyreek Hill drafter has Trevor Lawrence. I don't know if he'd pass on Tua twice. Um, what do you think the the play is here? Yeah, you wonder if the Waddle news, if you know that could even push him down. I think it's probably Tua in terms of getting as much safety and upside. It's just such a combination of those two things that I think that yeah. once we have Waddle, we have to make that play. Yeah, I agree. Um, yeah, we now see uh, James Cook starting to go earlier and earlier in drafts. Even this drafter here who had four running backs, Eckler, Josh Jacobs, Aaron Jones, couldn't pass up on James Cook. I assume all of the training camp buzz and highlights uh, surrounding James Cook has brought a smile to your face these days. It has. It has. You you go. Th- I mean, training camp is one of these sort of wild experiences for fantasy drafters who you know have a lot of teams because – it's it's similar to NFL Sunday, right? Because based on how well the player plays, you're thinking that your teams are, you know, wildly fluctuating in terms of how good they are and, and what they represent. So when you get that buzz for players that you're loaded up on, I mean, it's just it feels like an early Christmas present, and you're like, yeah, I number one, I got it right, which you know you're always glad about helping out you know, whoever is following, but then. Those teams set up there nicely with Cook. One of the things you ought to, to keep in mind, and you know, you mentioned Taekwon. Taekwon is the very you know exact opposite end of the pole with that, where 
I mean, as far as I'm aware, he still like hasn't caught a pass in training camp. The quarterbacks are staying after practice to play catch with him so that he can have receptions. But we want to remember these things can flip. And so you don't want to get too high, too low. You do obviously move around how you manage your exposures, where you rank the guys, tactically where you're trying to strike in drafts to reflect new information. But, I mean, these guys are going to keep practicing. We're going to have highlights from some of the players who haven't done anything big yet. Well, yeah, and to that kind of dovetails with a little bit of the Debo Samuel, Brandon Ayuk stuff. Debo, I know, has been a priority target for you, but then you just recently wrote up Brandon Ayuk. Uh, I love both of those guys in our first slow main event draft we're doing on ship chasing. We took both of them in that format. Is that one of those instances where you're like, man, this drumbeat on Ayuk is, is so loud and persistent. We also like his talent, what he's done from an efficiency standpoint that like, yeah, maybe now is time to kind of tilt and balance some of my exposures from Debo to Ayuk, or is there, is there another consideration there? Well, so often I'm trying to play either uncertain offenses where you're trying to manage risk or explosive offenses where you're trying to create as much exposure as possible, but do it in a way that is responsible for filling out your roster as you're trying to target the less expensive guy especially if the thesis for each player is pretty similar or even the second guy maybe has more upside isn't as proven but more upside so you're thinking okay well this is just another great situation to lean into Ayuk. i guess i think that both guys there are so exciting and one of the reasons that you end up with a lot of debo is that he comes in a range where it's really just him and keenan allen and for me, like the next round and a half is so bad at receiver that I think it's difficult to select guys there. Now, I'm not saying that all of those guys are going to miss by any stretch, but that is kind of a flat area where wide receivers are being pushed, I think, specifically because of 2023 ADP and structural pressures where they don't really deserve those prices. So you just as soon have guys in five, six and seven. Maybe the guys in five, six and seven are not quite as strong, but especially when you adjust for some prices, you like them better. So, I mean, you have more guys actually in Ayuk's range who are appealing than you do in Debo's range. And that, for me, is kind of how that gets balanced out to where I'm pretty even on the two guys when otherwise you're just like, yeah, more Ayuk, more Ayuk, more Ayuk. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. It's only a kick, a jump, a block, it's only a serve, it's only a tackle, a run, it's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. 
right. We are starting to see, I've, I've noticed it in these past few drafts, like a lot of the premium zero RB targets are starting to inch up a little bit. We see Rashad Penny go top 100 here. Gibson has been in this range for a while. We talked about James Cook getting pushed up a little bit here. Um, man, uh, I see A-Chain highlighted here. He's a guy that I've been wanting to click a little bit more. We also got a couple intriguing tight ends. What do you think is the play? Yeah, I think that hitting on a Friar Muth is probably the way to do it. Yeah. One of the things that, again, I this is one of those things where I really want to believe it, and so I have to be careful about <laughs> tricking myself. But the research that I've done on Pickens, who is somebody that I just have a, a very high exposure to as well, has also led me to believe that the talk about the Steelers offense being very run heavy is probably a little overstated. Now I do think that they're going to want to go back more in that direction than they were sort of at the end of the Ben Roethlisberger years. But one of the things that they're saying there is that Deontay Johnson looks pretty good. We know he is a target magnet. Pickens gives you the vertical element. Fryermuth is the breakout tight end. And with all of that kind of in place, they've become pretty optimistic about Pickens having this sort of Trevor Lawrence like second season. I think that overstates what he's going to do. But if you come a little bit more comfortable with that offense and that team in general, then getting some Fryermuth at, you know, in and around ADP with what he could potentially do for you at tight end, I think is, is a good pick. Yeah. Um, and Kyle Pitts and Fryermuth is a fun combo. I think I did that exact combo the other day on a draft as well, um, trying to boost up some of those uh, elite tight ends in my profile. So we do have A-Chain come back here. Warren, P. Ryan, uh, Dolchich, Daniel Jones, Dobbs. What do you think? Yeah, probably A-Chain won't get back to us. I think that he gives us another one of these guys who can significantly outperform his price although also potentially significantly <laughs> underperform where he could be the one guy kind of in this range who does virtually nothing. As you're continuing to read the tea leaves, do you have a, a favorite for Dalvin Cook? Like as we draft this moment? Um, at, at this moment, I, I does really seem like the Dolphins and Jets are nowhere near um, his asking price. And so to me, it feels like his best landing spot is probably a dark horse spot that we're not even thinking of that has an injury similar to the saints, right? They lose, you know, Benjamin team wants some depth ad, you know, they come in, they give them slightly more money than what, you know, the jets and dolphins were willing to give them. And Dalvin cook is just so sick and tired of sitting on the sidelines that he says, yes, I'm going to, I'm going to take up this deal. Um, especially if all the other landing spots start to get chewed up, you know, if Zeke goes back to Dallas, who knows Fournette signs with the chiefs or whatever those dominoes play out. Um, I do think Dalvin Cook is probably not going to be on the Jets and Dolphins unless we get an injury. I am curious. I want to follow up on the A-chain stuff. Um, if if you do think through the range of outcomes where he could be a zero, which I, I do agree, that is that is possible, does that make you want to make some big bets still on Raheem Mostert and Jeff Wilson, setting aside the specter of Dalvin Cook, just saying, like, if A-chain's a zero, like one of those guys at their ADP, if not both, should surely outperform it. Yeah, it's been weird because I like both of those guys a lot, and yet I have stopped drafting them more or less entirely. That probably isn't the way to do it. If we get another situation where A-Chain goes down again and misses some more practice time, then I think you want to start to emphasize those players. They both kind of go in a range where I have some other guys that I like. One of the things right now 
that I believe has been a little bit trickier. We talk about how in so many seasons, as you get later and later in the draft, the best player still left will be a running back. I do think that round, you know, the second half of 17, round 18, it's going to depend on your individual draft, of course. But you do get to a point where I actually don't think that running back is clear enough yet to feel comfortable or that confident in those picks. So as I'm trying to get the guys with the extreme upside in that 14, 15, 16 range, I'll often be in a situation where Mostert and Wilson maybe don't make the most sense and or I'm just playing that part wrong. Yeah. Yeah, I do. I I can I think I I'm pretty happy with my exposures right now to A-Chain Moster and Wilson. They're all tiered, you know, I'm slightly above on A-Chain, a uh, little bit higher on Moster and then the heaviest on Wilson just playing it via uh the prices there. So, I'm I feel pretty good about where it's at, but it's hard not to get excited about A-Chain just knowing when he hits, he hits in such a massive way. Um, for us trying to catch up at wide receiver, you got Dobbs and Myers on the board here. Jalen Warren is well. Um, what do you think is the play? Well, we could take Rodgers to kind of finish out the quarterback situation and get the player with, with uh, Garrett Wilson there. Uh, but I do mm-hmm. like Dobbs in this in this stretch also. Well, I think there's a small chance that Rodgers comes back. Do we? And then because we have other outs to quarterbacks we like later you got you know you got purdy you got Howell, you got jordan love you got ritter you got Pickett. do you think that might be uh, a spot as i do click on, on Dobbs for us to to push it and see we only have one drafter who doesn't have a qb here he could certainly take rogers but i also wouldn't be surprised if he doesn't have a stack if he passes on him as well yeah so there is there is a a better play probably so i'm glad that you did that it's a play that has become a little bit trickier to execute and okay might even need to happen at this next wrap here um all right i'm excited i'm excited hey i'm i'm ready to i'm ready to galaxy brain aaron Rodgers does go here but i i don't feel um too bad about that considering we got to and we have so many other uh stacking options and games we've been building around uh so we have jamal williams jalen warren i'll re i'll recap this team here so we got two at quarterback Travis Etienne, Kenneth Walker, Devon A. Chain at running back, wide receivers, Garrett Wilson, Jalen Waddle, Debo Samuel, Jahan Dotson, Romeo Dobbs, and then tight ends, Kyle Pitts and Pat Fryermuth. Sounds like you're cooking up uh, a galaxy brain idea here, Sean. Well, as I'm looking at the ADP on our ADP tool, I mean, Purdy is probably not going to come back. And so if we're talking about Samuel and IU I, as both of these massive smashes, then... I, I think I think Purdy comes back, Sean, and this could be okay. this could be famous last words. But he's really been been falling. Do you have another guy other than Purdy? Let's go with like? Rondell. Let's go with Rasheed okay. Rice. Okay, got it in in time. Um, so yeah, and we we can talk through that uh, as well here. I guess the thing I I just have I think both with the Rodgers and Purdy. I guess I struggle with like really reaching for a quarterback when you have so many options to get another one cheaper that's still in a correlated fashion that's still around um other uh games that you're interested in and then the other thing being like when you take to uh and then rogers not saying that we wouldn't ever go three quarterbacks but then it kind of limits your flexibility you know in the same way so, if you do a hyper fragile build but what go ahead what were you gonna say well you're you're pushing to uh to take the quarterback with more upside here as opposed to the quarterback who is 
guaranteed to not guaranteed, but is a very strong selection as uh, I mean, Brock Purdy with those weapons is going to finish like quarterback 12, but Sean, don't, don't hype up a guy before when I, I say he's going to make him come back here. I mean, what, what the Let's, people really want is us to get our 19th Sam Howell team. That's what people really want. But Sam Howell, if he hits, is going to be QB five. So there you go. I was, I was writing up, uh, I have a piece coming out in the Fantasy Life newsletter tomorrow showing ways to like look at the best ball hub so you can review your game stacks, how you're stacking up teammates. And it was interesting seeing like my exposure to Dotson relative to like Samuel and stuff. But I had to like write the caveat in there of like, so, uh, you know, my most drafted quarterback, Sam Howell, and please um, refrain from commenting whether you think this amount of exposure is good or bad. It's merely an exercise to review the players you're stacking your most drafted quarterback with. But I immediately knew that people are going to be reading. Yes, I'm with you, with you. Wait, why do you have 20% Sam Howell? That was uh, the thing I was trying to get out ahead of. And it's always funny to look at that and and, and follow their camp reports and then see what gets circulated as the most important thing. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, we are getting the circulation of the idea that it's not even really a competition, mm -hmm. which I think has been true from the start. Yeah. But you are in these situations where it becomes sort of meaningful. The other part of that is that the offense is struggling a lot in camp. Yeah. And that's not unexpected, but it is something to be aware of when you're thinking. And so I also want to make a little note. I, I was, I've got my two other screens up here. One is rankings. One is ADP. It was actually the rankings sheet that I was looking at with Purdy and saying he wouldn't come back ADP. He should have come back. He didn't. I, I mean, I knew, I knew I jinxed that, but this is, you know, I guess that the drafter had Brandon, I Christian McCaffrey, and he knew that, that he was not coming past us. That's why I try to not do the, the saying, uh, but Anyways, it's a it's a Schrodinger's cat uh, situation here. Um, we are about to be on the clock though at 153. Um, we still have lots of options here as far as um, uh, quarterbacks. Uh, a guy we like, Laporta, comes off the board here. Um, what do you think? The fun play would be, I think, grabbing a Jalen Hyatt. Who, I mean, this is still well before ADP, but is rising. Mm -hmm. And I think fits what you and Pat were talking about at the end of the last show. Is there a different player that we need to prioritize first? No, I'm just going to have to shovel out of my grave because I was kind of teasing the person for taking uh, Jalen Hyatt at this exact slot last draft, 153, uh, mainly because I was just marveling at how much his ADP has yo-yoed. You know, it was like Paris Campbell had a good OTAs and then Jalen Hyatt was free. He was just like going in the 18th round of drafts. And now it's like, oh yeah, Jalen Hyatt is probably the most talented of those guys that are out on the field right now. So now we're going to start taking him at 153. So I contain multitudes here, Sean. I can laugh at Jalen Hyatt at 153 and I can press the button on him at the same time <laughs> well Hyatt is a player that we were like way above consensus on for the road of his rookie guide and then I mean I'm kicking myself a little bit because he mm -hmm. slid a lot more in the draft than I was expecting and then didn't actually become a priority pick in my rookie drafts now I mm -hmm. got him some but he fell to prices in rookie drafts that <laughs> were very palatable and I, you've got to be careful when you're playing this Giants offense because they actually have a lot of receivers who are good. They probably don't have anybody who's great. The person who is still the biggest weapon is going to be Wandale Robinson if and when he comes back. Does Daniel Jones support those guys? And yet, 
Hyatt, I think, is the other player. The the people who are more filler types of receivers, I think those guys, even though they're going to have individually good games, and I love what Isaiah Hodgins has done to mm. resurrect his career. He does deserves a ton of credit for that. He's a good player. I mean, Hyatt and Robinson are the players I think that you want to be on when you're talking about tournaments. Yeah, and for, for a while, both of them were 18th round picks. That was a, a great time to load up on those guys. We are on the clock here at 14-4. Um, we have some quarterbacks up here. We got Tajay Spears, Mostert. Uh, who do you like? Well, do you want to do that reach for, not huge reach, but Jerome Ford to kind of finish out this? Yeah. Where are we? Were you worried Were you worried about the injury? Everyone was freaking out. Did you look into that? I it didn't seem to me to be a situation that necessarily deserved that, but sometimes yeah. you'll get the the guys where I, just the initial reports become a little bit worse as you go along. And so, right. Yeah. I think you want to be aware of that. I mean, the Browns are still a place. So I want to ask you this question, right? Yeah. I was in a draft yesterday where Kareem Hunt went four eleven, and <laughs> what four eleven? And so Not I wasn't 14, sure if it was 11, like four eleven, right? Wow. If it was a misclick, if it was, but I mean, you and I have a lot of Kenray Miller. You get the suspension. The reports from training camp are that he's awesome. He's working on his receiving. He thinks that he's like better than Alvin Kamara. You signed. You signed Jamal Williams. You still have Alvin Kamara. You drafted this guy who's got. My problem with the running back stuff is that you've got all of these teams like the Kansas City Chiefs who don't have anybody. And then you've got the teams that have three guys. And they're like, what happens if they're all done? We need a fourth right. player who's going to get here in the mix and cause problems for fantasy drafters. Yeah. Yeah, I think, and you know, we saw this happen with the Eli Mitchell. Uh, what was it? The abductor strain. He's been really dropping, um, you know, and I, and I wrestle with this. Like my thing too, even with the Jerome Ford stuff is like, we're still playing a 17 week contest. We're still trying to build teams that can win 15, 16, 17. And if you're getting big discounts on these guys because of short-term injury concerns, then I'm pretty excited about it. The counter is people say, okay, Jerome Ford, you know, pulls his hamstring. That's a type of injury that can linger. It gives a chance for another running back to get in the fold there, potentially carve out a role. And now all of a sudden the thesis is ruined and you spent, you know, pick 160 on him. So in general, I think I'd just try to be a little price conscious on it. And I mean, I took a lot of Eli Mitchell in the 150s the past couple days and that was the only reason I didn't know if we could maybe put push Jerome Ford just knowing how spooked everyone is but on the same token like we're building out a correlation with Garrett Wilson in week 17 and there aren't really many other viable Browns to do that with at this point in the draft no there aren't so if you want to get a little bit there and I everything that they're signaling suggests that he's going to get that Kareem Hunt role. So you're talking about potentially more standalone value even than you know what you're thinking in terms of handcuff value. So what are we at with running backs? He was the fourth, right? Yeah, he was our fourth running back. We started with the double anchor out of the dead zone, Travis Etienne and Kenneth Walker. We tacked on uh, Devon A-Chain at 112, and we have Jerome Ford as our fourth running back. Spears at the top of the board here. Um, anything else you like? Well, are you taking any any white with the Jacobs holdout? You know what? I bet I clearly not enough. You know, at 0.9%, he's a guy that uh, I've been wanting to get a little bit more, but he just always seems to go ahead of that. But he is close to ADP here. You want to do white over Spears? Yeah, let's try that once. 
Yeah, what is your read on that? I mean, in the draft I just did with Pat, Josh Jacobs went at pick 45. I, I must have missed a report. Is there more smoke there about a, a legitimate holdout happening? Well, maybe it's Ben. I mean, Ben is very insistent that Josh Jacobs is like going to do this all the way. And mm. I mean, obviously there's there's some having fun with that, but he, I think that you have more Le'Veon Bell risk there than with a lot of guys. Now you also have reports that, you know, the Raiders could back away, let him go to other teams. He could end up with the Kansas city chiefs at that point. Maybe you're talking about him at the one, two turn. So he has gotten to a point in terms of Jacobs himself that I think that he is draftable where usually he's a guy who, despite what he did last year is actually a little bit dead zoning for me. Mm. He's now in a range that I think is very interesting for him, but it also creates these scenarios now where, I mean, you know about Josh McDaniels. I mean, he wants to prove that the guys that he drafted are the way to play it. Even if he's like constantly downgrading the quality of his roster, he's going to lean into that and show you that it'll work. So, I mean, White is one of these players where the peripherals for him over his career haven't actually been great, but there is some, you know, size speed element that could be dangerous in the right situation. So we're in pretty good shape structurally here on the clock at 16. What is jumping out to you? Well, we had some fun taking Murray and then making the end of it work in the previous draft. It's probably not too early to look at some of our other QBs. I think that we could add a third tight end with Mayer here if we wanted. Let's. Uh, I'm just going to quickly, you mentioned Mayer. Let's go ahead and tack him on. Um, you know, we're making a bet on the Raiders uh, here. Definitely ahead of ADP, but it uh, didn't seem like we had a super strong uh, selection there. So let's get to the three tight ends with the two early ones, which I know is something you and I have done a bit more uh, on this show here than maybe I traditionally do and something I, I like being open to. Are you, um, have you been selecting any Jimmy Garoppolo late in drafts or does he still not fit a criteria of a quarterback you like to select? He's just so tough because the numbers for him are actually you know very solid. You pull up some of our tools, you go into sports info solutions, advanced data, what have you. And yet the teams are very much signaling that they think that he is a product of the schemes and the offense, but you're going to go into another situation where a head coach really believes in him and he's going to have Devontae Adams and you're going to have an underrated Jacoby Myers and you're going to have a mayor who probably is one of the most underrated players in all of fantasy across all formats. Within that context, and especially, I mean, you can say, well, if they have Josh Jacobs, then teams can't, you know, focus on taking Jimmy Garoppolo away. And the last thing you want is, is a team actually trying to stop him for what he needs <laughs> to do. And yet, if you end up with some good passing volume, we know that that offense can do some things, even with quarterbacks who weren't Tom Brady. So mm -hmm. I think that he works as a final round pick. He's not someone that I have hardly any exposure to, but. If you get caught out and you have some Raiders on your team, I don't think that you should immediately assume that your build is broken or your team is dead. Yeah. The Raiders are really interesting too. Like if you, and I'm, I know you've had some willingness to select Jacoby Myers. Cause I, I know, I think you feel that there is kind of some like systemic risk, the bottom falling out for Devonte Adams, obviously some risk now with Josh Jacobs. Um, it seems like playing the Raiders through those cheaper options. Like if it blows up with those guys, I mean, Jacoby Myers, Michael Mayer, and Zamir White. Like, that's the offense, right? It is. It is. And, I mean, you've got a head coach who has a lot of weaknesses, but also some unique strengths. And if he were able to 
manufacture some real scoring for those other guys. I don't think that we get to the end of the season and say, well, no one saw that coming. That was impossible. Be like, yeah, and that's what he does. And so I think that it's kind of a, a stealthy way to play it. I don't, I mean, one of the reasons that I am not really heavily on the Raiders in terms of building out some of those other elements is that week 17 matchup. That game looks like it could be really low scoring and gross. So, yeah, it, that's one of the funny ones where people look at it and it's, you know, a dome game, two bad defenses. People get excited about it, but then you look at the Vegas totals and it's like a, a really, really low. Like the Colts have one of the lowest average 15 through 17 team totals across the entire league. Um, the people are not as bullish on Anthony Richardson as drafters are. Um, do you think we get a quarterback here? Do you do we do Ritter with Pitts? Um, we did lose Sam Howell. Uh, anything else you'd like to do? Yeah, I, I, no, I think Ritter is is the way to go. And, you know, you don't have the Bears element with this. But I, I think especially when we have two of their, yeah, you don't have the game stacks that you want quite as strongly. But, I mean, do you really want to be leaning into both the Bears and the Falcons? Certainly you're going to do that on some teams. But one of the things right. that we talked about recently is that you don't always have to force it. And if you get into a situation where you don't have the game stack, but you need that quarterback late, you can still do it that way. I mean, Desmond Ritter is a, a player I can't understand. He's got good camp reports. People love Drake London. People love Kyle Pitts. There's yeah. more rushing there than people realize. And his EP numbers in that stretch that he finished last season with were fine. They were fine for fantasy scoring. The problem was he dramatically underperformed them. But when you come back in that second year and you have Pitts hopefully healthy, are you saying, oh, he's going to dramatically underperform him again? Yep. I mean, if you're betting Pitts to start with, you're betting on Desmond Ritter. It's such a perfect play when you get locked out of those other guys. So the only quarterback that makes any correlation sense if we wanted the third is Jimmy Garoppolo. Otherwise, running back or wide receiver look like the pick. Who jumps out? Well, I like Chase Brown here. It seems like he's gotten a little bit less trendy. And so you yeah. can add him in to those rosters, especially when we do still have plenty of running back risk. I mean, would it surprise you if we got to that, those final couple of weeks and this was a 2021 situation and we have ETN, you know, maybe doing a little bit, but Tank Bigsby is boxing him out some. Would it surprise you if, you know, obviously Kenneth Walker is injured or has lost his starting job, but this team makes that push over the final week because you get 20 points from Ford, 20 points from Chase Brown, 20 points from Zamir White. We want to dream in different directions there. And I think that we have the right running backs. And I had mentioned that running back had gotten a little bit less comfortable for me in the final round, in part because uh, when we talked about some of the really good things that have happened, Pete, I'm hearing that Chuba is not a lock even for the second string job. That is the, the other one kind of with Taekwon there where I'm looking at my exposures and I'm like, this is not going in the right direction. But Chase Brown in the final round is, I mean, that's just yeah, a no-brainer. Yeah, it's, so, it's so funny, like the rhetoric around that, because then I saw another training camp report about Chuba that he and Miles Sanders were equally splitting first team reps uh, at a practice recently. So it's it's hard to keep track of all of these. I will say, Sean, the fact that you can go from calling Travis Etienne the next Jamal Charles, and then spinning a yarn where he's getting boxed out by Tank Bigsby at week 17. Uh, I, you, you make my head spin sometimes too. Well, it's, it's, it's fun and important to think through 
all the different ways it could go. I, I've been fighting to get my ETN exposures where I think they need to be because you do get all of this rhetoric around big speed that I don't buy, and yet it does terrify me. I Mostly this is a, a big vote of confidence for our late running back group. Yeah. And one of the things I've pushed back on throughout the 2023 draft season is this idea that what we saw in 2021 and 2022 in BBM is definitively going to be what works in 2023. There are so many different dynamics and yet you want to be set up to take advantage of different ways that it could play out. And those dead zone running backs with elite talent, plus then the right types of late running backs to where if you got a situation where it was a Devin Singletary and Rashad Penny and Sony Michelle, the guys who hit at the end in 2021, you're, you're building off of both of those. And if you have that set up, you have the right quarterback plays here. I made my pitch for Desmond Ritter being just, He's the probably the player I understand the least in terms mm. of where he's going in fantasy drafts. When you think about the continued enthusiasm for London and Pitts, I, I don't understand how London can be going where he's going and Desmond Ritter going where he's going. Those two things, I think, are just simply not consistent at all. But you look at this team and, and you look at the kind of the mix of safety and upside and the mix of scenarios that we're playing. You're always thinking in these drafts, one of the things you mentioned is for me to stop spoiling our picks because <laughs> it does make it harder to finish out some of those game stacks, but yet the overall thesis and the internal consistency, I really like in terms of how it sets us up for some floor sets us up for getting through the first month, but also the upside of a team like this, I think is extreme. For sure. And let me recap uh, this team here for the audio listeners as we landed the plane with a 2673 build. We do have Tua and Desmond Ritter at quarterback. Our running backs got uh, Travis Etienne, Kenneth Walker, Devon A. Chain, Jerome Ford, Samir White, and Chase Brown. Our wide receivers, Garrett Wilson, Jalen Waddle, Debo Samuel, Jahan Dotson, Romeo Dobbs, Rashi Rice, and Jalen Hyatt. Felt good to get a, a Dobbs share at a reasonable price. We've taken him early in some of these drafts before. And then tight ends, uh, loaded at tight end with Kyle Pitts, Pat Fryermuth, and Mike. Michael Mayer back to your conversation about Desmond Ritter being mispriced. I remember back like a few years ago, I want to say it was like a Roethlisberger year, one of the tail ends of his career. And like all of those wide receivers were going early. I think it was like Juju and maybe it was even Claypool's rookie year. And everyone's like, you know, Roethlisberger's going in the, in the 12th round and all of his other wide receivers are going super early. Why isn't he going higher? And sometimes people were kind of like picking apart that thought logic, but now we have Desmond Ritter going in the 18th round or undrafted in a lot of drafts. And even that feels extreme relative to acknowledging, sure, could one of these guys, could London hit in a big way, but not Pitts? Like, absolutely. But even in those scenarios where London hits in a big way, like Pitt or Ritter is probably coming along for that ride. So today has been a very Atlanta Falcons heavy uh, draft for us with Pat. We drafted Ritter, Bijan, London, and Pitt. Sean, you and I get the Ritter in Pitts there. Uh, I've been making a concerted effort to boost my Pitts exposure down the stretch and getting him twice today in the 80s uh, feels pretty good. Yeah, in your draft with Pat there, did you have Bears opposite that? You know, we didn't. It was another thing there. I've been keeping an eye on Chase Claypool, but I think uh, whether it's because he's getting in training camp fights or having training camp highlights, he's more on the radar of people. Um, I do really like Claypool as a late dart there. Sometimes I'll have like a Roshan tossed in, but no, we didn't get any bears on this one. It, it again is is one that is tricky. And you look at that sort of four or five turn where to really do it through 
the bear side. I mean, how are you going to get London, Moore, and Fields together? You can't really do that. And so then you're moving off to things that are probably not as dynamic. You're trying to do it through a pits instead, or you can flip it around and obviously do it through Ritter, which I think is an interesting kind of way. The thing that most people just don't want to do, though, is have the Ritter portion of it. I, right. I, Fields is obviously a much, much better play. And I have written up Fields is actually one of the best picks in the draft, especially when you're thinking about single season upside. So I think that his range of outcomes is a little wider than people think, even when they're looking at that rushing element. If the passing part of it hits, I mean, he's one of these guys who actually, despite being young, is a much better redraft play than a dynasty play where in dynasty you have a little bit of risk with his passing never developing or melting down that kind of thing and you lose a lot of value where in the single season you just have that one year exposure to it but even with how good a pick he is if you're buying some of those bears elements it still pales in comparison to how good of a pick ritter is if you like that bears falcons matchup at all and if you like having some exposure to two offenses that could end up you know with a, a very low pass total a very low play total those types of things that you know damage that particular game but also damage those players as you go through the entire season sean you just had a piece up on the site of five wide receivers that you've been targeting in drafts you have been churning out a ton of good content also spotlighting some of the other great work coming out at rotoviz i know this is the time of the year where you really start to ramp up your stuff i'm already getting excited when are we going to see the first edition of the zero rb countdown list what are the things people can look forward to over on rotoviz in the coming weeks yeah i i'm hoping to have that probably next week if nothing else have sort of a teaser about the very late guys that we're looking at where maybe you're just actually putting them on a watch list as opposed to drafting them but you know such a, a mix right now of redraft dynasty best ball i'm going to have those dynasty pieces that i mentioned at the start i've got a draft that column and i did where we got back boxed out on some things and actually opened up an even more and you might say experimental, even though the evidence is very much in favor of this crazy tight end build. I'll be looking at other things you can do tight end wise in best ball and underdog or people are looking for that. And then we're going to have a lot of these FFPC oriented redraft leagues. You had mentioned you guys are doing your first main event tonight. I can't wait for both that in general and for the one that I'm going to do with you all shortly. There'll be a lot of content looking at how you attack that format specifically redraft wise and in the best player so this mix of strategy articles and player pieces i mean the enthusiasm now for the players i keep saying that managing your portfolio is important having the right structures along with the portfolio is important but i i love drafting the guys that i think are going to blow up and maybe there hasn't been a year that i can remember where it's so fun to pick players and There'll be a lot of articles kind of explaining why there. So we go deep yeah. into the evidence and, and trying to mix in some training camp news. So if you want that mix of what the team is saying, which in many cases is just going to be misleading and maybe doesn't even like, I mean, some of the teams you listen to them talking and we mentioned about Travis Etienne, their various running backs. And you look at the evidence, the data, and you're like, nothing you're saying actually reflects the reality here, but you love to, kind of ride this wave of enthusiasm in training camp and 
you know, if you need to move a guy like one or two spots to make sure you are getting him, you don't want to come out of your drafts without any Brandon Ayuk with how well he played last year and how well he's playing right now. Those little moves and that combination of elements I'm pretty fired up for. Yeah, and it's crazy. We only have a few more of these Wednesday drafts here before the season starts. Um, so going to soak these up while we have them. Appreciate all of you guys hanging out in the chat here. If you guys are watching the YouTube version, we do post the audio of these on the Roto-Viz airwaves. You can subscribe to those podcast feeds, including their best ball-specific feed. You can also, uh, if you're listening to this, you can uh, watch these drafts on my YouTube channel. That's youtube.com slash Peter Overzet. You can get subscribed here. I'm drafting multiple multiple teams a week, a couple on best ball breakfast on Monday. I do splash play on Tuesday and then two, of course, on Wednesday previous, uh, to the draft with Sean, I always draft with the best ball mania champ, Pat Crane. So if you're just hearing that and want to see that draft as well, head on over to the YouTube channel and everyone needs to be subscribed to Rotoviz. It is mandatory reading down the drafting home stretch. Always a great time to be alive, a great time to draft. This has been the best ball banana stand with Sean Siegel and Pete Overzet. We will see you guys next time. Have a great rest of your week.